and welcome to another episode of Boundless Body Radio. I'm your host, Casey Ruff, and today we have another amazing guest to reintroduce to you now. Vinny Tortorich is a returning guest on our show. Be sure to check out his first appearance on our podcast on episode 55 of Boundless Body Radio. Vinny is an author, radio and podcast host, fitness trainer, former model, filmmaker, and international motivational speaker. After he moved from New Orleans to Los Angeles, he quickly became a top celebrity trainer. As an author, he wrote a best-selling children's book titled Monty, and in July 2013, Vinny released his second book called Fitness Confidential. The book was written with Dean Laurie and covers Vinny's no-sugar, no-grains approach to healthy eating. His podcast, Fitness Confidential, is one of the longest-running and highest-rated fitness podcasts on Apple. He has made three fantastic films, Fat, Fat 2, and the most recent film that we will be discussing today, Beyond Impossible. As always, I will personally reimburse anybody who has to pay to watch any of these films. That is how highly we esteem Vinny and his work. Vinny Tortorich, welcome back to Boundless Body Radio. Casey, it's a pleasure to be back. And I, I think it's a crazy notion that, that you would even offer to pay people back to watch my movie. <laughs> That's something I... I, I'm the guy who made the movie, and I wouldn't consider doing anything like that. <laughs> well, I, I, I told you this last time. I'm going to tell you again. I really wish more people would take me up on it. It's just something that started with my small circle of clients, and it kind of expanded out to other people that we were teaching in seminars and things like that. And, you know, I'm, I'm just bummed out that not more people, you know, took me up on it. And, and the offer stands, and it stands with the new movie. And anybody who wants to email me their information, I will send them a Venmo reimbursement so that they can watch these movies. Movies because I really strongly feel like they are so important. Well, you know, that's super kind. Um, I, I think the reason no one is doing that is my movies pretty quickly make it to Amazon Prime and people can watch them for free anyway. Mm. And there are other VODs where I think, like, on, if you belong to like Voodoo or some of these other, you know, things, um, you can get it for free. So it, it's funny, I, I don't really know how, how the world works when it comes to this stuff, but I'm, I'm on close to 70 VODs around the world, video on demand. And I think you pay for maybe two-thirds, maybe 75% of them. And, you know, the rest of them, you know, if you belong to the VOD, if you pay for, for that service, you get it for free. Mm, I so. See. That can have something. So, yeah, I've been very lucky with these films that they're not just kind of cornered into. Uh, maybe I'm talking too much at the beginning here, but I'll just explain this. Um, if if I had sold my movie to say, I'm just going to pick one. I'm not picking on this company. If I had sold it to Netflix, right? I'm beholden to Netflix and whatever they want to do, they cannot put it up. You know, they're going to pay me. A lot of money, but they cannot put it up. They can hide it somewhere. They can make it their number one show if they want people to see it. You, they're in total control. I see. But doing it the way I do it by going with a company like Gravitas, which is a big distribution company. Um, I've had people send me, you know, screenshots from Malaysian Airlines where they're getting on a flight and, you know, <laughs> anywhere in the world. Beijing, wow. and they'll go, oh, my God, your movie is on the plane. You know, wow. that, that's pretty cool. That's amazing. So I, I'd rather have that kind of reach than, you know, the small reach. Wow. 
Well, that's amazing. That's really interesting to understand. Uh, we're just so grateful for your movie. Your latest movie is amazing, which we want to talk about. Um, I do want to go back a bit. Were, were you okay with that introduction? Do we do okay introducing you? Yeah, I, I got tired and somewhat bored listening to it. Um, <laughs> it it's um, when people... <laughs> <laughs> when when people say he was a model, you know, okay, everybody was a model, right? But yeah, I actually had a career doing that. Um, you know, and I never think no one ever goes. So tell me about your modeling days. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was trying to make ends meet in in L.A., and then they'll go, "He's done three movies and written books," and and then you start going. And, and by the way, when people ask me what I, you know, I go to a party, what do you do for a living? I don't know what to say. Mm. And I, I sound like a guy that sells crack on the street corner because I'll just go, I'm, I'm somewhat of an entrepreneur, uh, you know, uh, because how do you explain that you own four companies and you've done all these movies and written books and it just sounds fake. <laughs> It doesn't sound real. Totally. Well, you've done a lot. I can just go ahead and correct you and say, when you say that everybody has been a model, I can say that that's not true because I've never been a model. Um, and and I, it's just, it's interesting when I, when I, you know, was writing up the, the introduction for you, you type in Vinnie Tortorich bio. And one of the first ones that popped up was some wiki looking thing. It looks almost like Wikipedia, but it's not. And so we could have taken the introduction in a different direction. The way they write about you, Vinnie Tortorich is an American fitness trainer, cholesterol denialist, anti-sugar <laughs> campaigner, low-carb, high-fat advocate. Tortorich is a promoter of a fad diet known as No Sugar, No Grains, which consists of eliminating all processed sugars and grains from the diet. Tortorich is a cholesterol and statin denialist who denies the blood LDL cholesterol levels, increase the risk of heart disease. This is absurd, the way that some people write things about you. Like, what is a cholesterol denialist? Uh, I have no idea. I've never denied the fact that cholesterol exists. I mean, <laughs> to deny something is to say that it doesn't exist. Um, I've I've never denied cholesterol. <laughs> mm, um, I do think statins have a place in the world. Um, my dad's on a statin because he has uh, three stents in his heart. That's what statins were made for. You know, a guy who has stents or you know, people who literally have hardware in their heart. That's why statins were created. Um, they've kept my dad alive past 20 years. So <laughs> to deny the existence and or use of statins, I've never done that. I don't think every human being should be on the statin the way it's being recommended nowadays. So you can question me on that. Um, I do think that... Um, I don't think this, this is not my thought. Um, there's literature, there are studies that show that by and large, cholesterol does not cause heart disease. Plaque does. And I have this conversation with, with cardiologists all the time. I'll say, well, what causes, you know, blockage in the heart? And they'll say plaque. And I'll say, how much of that plaque comes from cholesterol? And they'll say none. And I'll say, okay, are we on the same page still? Or can I ask my next question? Or what are, what are we, we going to do here? 
I just like getting down to the truth. You know, I have a scientific brain. That's what my degree is in. Um, I question everything. Everyone should question everything. I'm not a denialist of anything. And I'm very open to the fact that I could be wrong about everything. Mm. And I'm constantly checking my own math. Um, the one thing I do know is, as a nutritionist and uh, exercise physiologist, I've been getting people to lose, in cases, hundreds of pounds off of a single person. I've gotten over with the internet and everything, thousands and thousands of people to lose hundreds of thousands of pounds, maybe even into the millions, with my crazy don't eat sugar, don't eat grain <laughs> idea. So if all of that makes me a nutcase, okay. I'm I'm good with that. They say you're a promoter of a fad diet. There's so many diets that promote no sugar and no grains. And even in the same article, they go on to say Tortorich's criticisms of processed sugar are quite accurate. <laughs> and then and then have a few like one of the only scientific, you know, uh, references in the entire article. And then it goes on to say that he opposes consumption of grains, but brown rice and whole wheat pasta have low GI scores. So it's like you're, you, this article is like agreeing with you on most of the things you're saying. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> I, you know, I've only read the headline of that thing once. And the only reason I know it exists is because it came around on the same day that I was taken down from Wikipedia. Mm. Um, so Wikipedia, you know, look, I, I don't know how any of it works, but one day my Wikipedia page was gone and my Oddly enough, my Wikipedia page was pretty accurate. It said where my height, my age, um, who I sleep with every night. You know, it mentioned a few of my clients. It was all really accurate where I was from. And um, subsequently, for your audience, my wife is a celebrity. And if you looked at her Wikipedia page, it said, at the time, I think dating or long-term relationship with um, Vinny Tortorich. And okay. <clears throat> and if you went to the Wikipedia of my hometown, I was noted as one of the more notable people to come from this very small town in the deep South. Uh, all of that vanished on the same day. Wow. How does that happen? And, and as that vanished, this popped up. Wow. So when people go, oh, you, 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 come on, you're, you're just a little, you know, <laughs> you, you, aren't you a little paranoid? No, I'm not paranoid. I'm, I'm stating facts here. Wow. My Wikipedia went away. The fact that um, I was in a long-term relationship at the time, I'm, I'm still in a relationship with her, um, and with Serena Scott Thomas, that went away. And also the, the fact that I came from a town that, you know, I'm one of the more important people that came from that town. Should I be on that list of being in my town? I don't know. I, I don't know anyone else who's done three movies. I don't know anyone else who's written two books. Yeah. I don't know anyone else who married a Bond girl. Um, I don't know. I don't know anyone else in that town that runs four businesses successfully. I, I just don't know. Maybe I shouldn't be on that page, but the guy that is on that page is a, a local, well, he's dead now, but they note him as one of the, the notable people from this town. He was the local mafia. Wow. He's, yeah, he made the, the page. <laughs> so 
if you're if you're saying that you know fake news and all this stuff we hear all these terms i'm i'm um actually i'm one of those people that that happens to wow yeah i just don't think you can make this kind of stuff up it's it's so crazy um i do want to talk about your movie your latest movie is fantastic just like the other two when did you decide that this was a movie that needed to be made um i don't know the exact date but you know COVID was driving a lot of people crazy from what I can tell. And um, it didn't drive me crazy, but it did give me a lot of, a lot of extra time. You know, I started, I kept bringing more and more aerobic equipment into my gym and I put a big screen television up in my gym and I would just sit there and watch old movies and stuff that I always wanted to see, but I've always been too busy and I would either be on the spinner or the rowing machine, or the paddle machine, or something. And I would just spend hours in front of the television watching it. And in order to watch free television now, even though you pay for Hulu or something, it always goes to commercials. So I'm watching, for a guy who never watched television, I'm watching these movies, and it would go to commercials. And I would see all these different statin ads, and I would see all this different stuff, and... And before long, I started seeing more and more with the Beyond Meat and the Impossible Burger and all the stuff. And, and one day I just, while I was on my spinner, I hopped off really fast and I jotted down two words, Beyond Impossible. And they sat on my desk for like a week or two. And I, every time I have a note, I'll keep looking at it. And I'll go, oh, I got I to look that up. I got to look that up. I got to look it up. And... One day I looked up Beyond Burgers and Impossible Meat, or was it Impossible Meat and Beyond Burger? I, one of those two. And but it was all because I had written down a quick note because I was sweaty that said Beyond Impossible, and I started looking this stuff up to see what I just wanted to see what was in it. It's like, well, they're saying it's healthier than meat. Well, we know that meat is one of the healthiest things you can eat. It's got all the amino acids you need. It's got protein. It's got fat. You know, everything you need is in red meat. Can this possibly be healthier? I wasn't looking to prove them wrong. I was looking to prove them right. That's a, that, that's a, a big distinction that we have to make here. Mm. And when I looked into it more and more and took deeper and deeper dives and then got my assistant looking into stuff, once I get my assistant, now I'm paying money. You know, I'm paying this woman to be my assistant. I got, I got people looking it up, you know, two or three people under me going, I want to know where this stuff is derived from. I want to know. And when all this data started hitting my desk, you know, most of this is made in China. It's got to be shipped here. It's then put through this process and that process. So I went, wow, crap made in China. They're talking about saving the earth. They got to ship this stuff here. So whenever you start shipping stuff around the world, you're talking some kind of conveyance that's going to either take diesel, coal, um, jet A, something. It's going to take something to get it here. And then we have to manufacture it here. Again, energy burned, carbon into the atmosphere. So I started making this argument for, well, it's not better for the environment, but could it be better for us? Well, you know, one of your main products is soy and soy byproducts. And you go, okay, well, that stuff is inflammatory and everything that comes with it. And you look at everything else that they're putting in it. 
And I'm going, wow, my cursory results is it's not good for the environment and it's not good for your health. So and I just kept going deeper and deeper and deeper. And in order not to bore your audience, the deeper I went, the more insane it got. Like it, it never got better. And I always do the thing where I try to play devil's advocate and I'll get my assistant to play devil's advocate. So, you know, come on, debate me, debate me, debate me. Tell me, give me the other side. And we just kept going. And that's when I came up with the idea of if I turn this into a documentary, I need to get some of these vegan doctors on board to come and talk to me, to debate me the way my, my assistant is debating me and to tell me why their side is correct. Unfortunately, I could not get one major league. And I can, I can get some internet idiot that calls himself some vegan, blah, blah, blah. I wanted to get the Dean Ornishes to the, the Walter Willits of the world, the, the Michael Greggers, these people who are writing books and running universities and telling, you know, the president of the United States how to eat. Right. I wanted these guys to come in and explain to me why this is better. And as you know, from watching the movie, not one vegan doctor showed up. Crazy. <laughs> Crazy. And it's, you're right. Like you had the intention. It really comes across in the movie. It didn't look like you were going to like blast these guys and, you know, make a big scene in the movie. You really just wanted to talk to them. And I just, I want to go back to one of the things you said early on in the movie, which I, it really stuck with me. Uh, and I'm going to paraphrase, but you said, why would a company go out of their way to make a product that looked, smelled, and tasted like meat when we already have meat? Like, what is the motivation behind this to begin with? Well, I don't think the motivation is to talk to the, to the uh, converted. In other words... If you're uh, a converted vegan and you're there because you don't want to hurt a cute little goat or lamb or cow or pig because, you know, you watch too many Disney films and they give them names like Babe and you watch Charlotte's Web and you watch all this stuff. You know, you watch Bambi and, and you know, they, they give animals names and, you know, these kids go, oh, I don't want to eat Bambi. I don't want to eat, you know. Moo Moo the cow or whatever name that Disney likes to give animals, right? They're not talking to those people because they are already drinking the Kool-Aid. They're trying to get, if you watched NFL football this year, I start, I start watching at the playoffs every year. So I, I watched football for the last three weeks, four weeks. And there were nothing but impossible burger ads, you know, hey, you can go to Burger King, you can go to McDonald's, you go whatever, get the Impossible Burger. Tastes better than me. They're trying to get those guys going, hey, wait a minute. I'm going to go to these fast food restaurants anyway. They're saying if I eat this, I'm going to be doing better. Those guys are not listening to your podcast or my podcast or anyone else. They want to eat their meat. They want something that tastes like meat and bleeds like meat. And they're sitting there going, man, my wife has been on me about my health. This is the first way I can correct that, right? So I, it's very cunning what they're doing, right? That's why they want it to taste and look and feel like meat. Mm. 
And then just marketing to the general public who could very easily think that they're doing themselves and the planet a favor both at the same time when they're actually not. Um, you already mentioned some of the ingredients and some of the details on the, uh, the processing. I would love to dive, deep dive deeper into that. Like, are there any ingredients that go into these things that are redeeming, that could be good for us? Or is there any steps in the process that are fairly healthy and natural? I mean, what, what, what kind of things go into this and how are these things processed? <clears throat> Not really. Um, you know, the, the main ingredient, you know, the, the bulk of it is made from soy, you know, and, and I don't have the list of ingredients in front of me. If you do, you can read them off, but I've gone through them enough times to, to go, look, you know, th these products are not healthy in any way, shape or form. Whenever you process anything, look, I, I, I'll give it to you a different way. You could take something very healthy like meat. And I'll be the first to tell you when you do processed, you know, Slim Jims is not your best version of meat, right? Mm. When you start processing anything down, you're cooking it down. It, we weren't meant to eat that. We're meant to eat whole real foods. And that is the end all and be all. Okay. So if you can't do that, then you have a problem. I'm, I'm curious also to know, there's a story, this narrative about cows, cows killing the planet. Again, they're not really good for us nutritionally and they're really bad for the environment. And we're using so much water to raise cattle. You went into great detail and really kind of illuminated this for us. Can you tell us a little bit about the backstory behind why we think cows are bad for us and what is actually going on? Yeah. You know, you know, I, I have a lot of vegan friends in California. Um, one of my closest friends is a big you know, outspoken, he's got a giant podcast and you'll see him, you know, in media and everywhere else. And we're actually close friends. We rode bikes together for a long time. And um, he would like spew out, you know, I would hear this stuff on bike rides. He goes, you know, every time you eat a hamburger, it takes 600 gallons of water for that one hamburger. And I was like, come on, dude, 600 gallons of water for one hamburger. So whenever, <clears throat> whenever vegans Vegans would do themselves better if they said, you know, for every hamburger you ate, you ate, it's one gallon of water. I can, I would go, hmm, I wonder if that's true. It sounds about right. You know, what, what do I know? But when they start saying for each hamburger, 600 gallons of water, you start going, okay, well, that's just not true. Right. Because we're not, we're not watering cattle. They're, they're drinking water, rainwater mostly. And, and then they pee it right back onto the land. <laughs> so I started looking into that kind of stuff. And it's like, well, those statements just aren't true. And then they'll say um, cattle live most of their lives, you know, in prison and all this stuff. Again, you look into that. Most of that is not true. And then they start talking about the biggest carbon emission is from the methane of cattle. Again, uh, two Two problems. Number one, that methane goes off into the atmosphere and is regenerated within seven or eight years, I think 10 years at the most, unlike what we spew out of a two-stroke engine, which is in the atmosphere for thousands of years. So the methane is regenerated. It's a different gas. And I had experts come into the movie and explain that. Um, and by the way, we don't have any more cattle you know, I think we have something like 80 million cattle in the United States right now. And if you look back when bison were roaming the land, 
You know, back in the 1700s, we had over 80 million bison. So we don't have any more ruminants now than we did 200 years ago, and we didn't have a problem then. Right. Right. So when you look at that, you go, okay, well, ruminants weren't the problem then. How can they all of a sudden be the problem now, especially when we, we have factories and cars and, you know, <laughs> people with blowers, you know, blowing your lawn? You know, how can we possibly cause, say, that cattle cause this? Right. I mean, it just seems like such common sense. And it's really amazing what these cows are, and other ruminants are doing. They're typically, you know, living and grazing on lands that we can't really use for anything else. They're consuming cellulose and grasses and magically turning it into this wonderful source of fat and protein, like you mentioned earlier, which is perfect nutrition for us. And all the while during their lives, they're contributing to topsoil, which is then sequestering carbon. Like we need this in 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 the world we need this for many many reasons yet the the CEOs of some of these companies want to completely eradicate the cow it blows my mind yeah you know we found like three or four different situations where uh Mr. Brown was saying we need to you know just euthanize all cattle you know just get rid of every you know and I even did like a record scratch move in my movie, you know, like a 1980s record scratch. I was like, wait, did he really say that? And then I found another place where he said it. I could have done two or three more, but I just figured two was enough to prove that point. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's really kind of crazy. I, I was just in, um, I was just in England uh, over the holidays. Um, and I, you know, I, I like to hunt and I went on a pheasant shoot as they don't, they don't call it hunting over there. They call it shooting. I went on a pheasant shoot and, um, you know, some of the guys were telling me, you know, they, they want to end this, this industry and shooting there is a real industry. And let me explain what I mean by that. A guy like me <clears throat> to go on a pheasant shoot, you might have, um, I don't know, 15, 18 guys on the shoot with guns, Right. And you go off to this place and there's a breakfast for you. You know, you stop for lunch and, and there's a big lunch and then there's tea time at around four o'clock and they take care of all that. It's, it's pampered crap. And you go out and shoot. Now you, you have to, you know, there, there's people who are out there beating, beating the bushes, you know, in the woods with dogs. There's also other people who are employed uh, with dogs that after you shoot the birds, they go and pick them up. Right. And, um, and then all of the birds are consumed or eaten. Um, a lot of people make a lot of money. The, the people who own the land get a fee. They pay the people who, who flush all of the, the birds. Uh, they pay the people who come with the dogs and pick up the birds they pay the people who clean the birds and you also tip those people and all of the birds are consumed either by you or you can give them to the, you know, to the village, to the people who did all of the, the hunting. Hmm. Yet there are a group of people, vegan types that want to stop that activity. And my question is why? And they'll say, well, they they actually seed the fields and they get these birds to come and eat the seeds all year long. And then you guys just blow them out of the sky. And I, I said to a vegan once, well, in this country, 
you guys get upset whenever we have animals in cages and we're feeding them there. In this situation, the animal is living a life, getting all the seeds, eating happily for a year, and then they have a quick death. And the person said to me, yeah, but it's a bunch of white people enjoying it. Wow. And I went, well, right there. Why, why is it white people? Because when I was hunting, there were a lot of non-white people there. Matter of fact, one guy was of Indian descent. Uh, one guy was from uh, <laughs> a country in Africa and was black. You know, and it, it was all the, and I was like, well, wait a minute. How did you just turn this into racist and enjoyment? And is there no end to your fight? Is that it? No matter what you do, is there no end? Mm. Right. Yeah. And, and, and that, that's what I always wonder about. Yeah. It just, it doesn't even make sense. Like at, at some point you, you run out of like rational things to discuss or debate. And so it becomes completely irrational. Like I've got good friends who choose to eat plant-based and that's totally fine. And the only ones I've ever unfollowed would just like get to the end of a debate. First of all, they would engage me to debate them, which I don't even love doing, but they always wanted to start an argument. And that argument would always end up like, well, yeah, but you're dumb or, or something like, okay, like, Maybe you're right about that, but like you, do, you don't have anything intelligent to say anymore. You're, you're running out of things to talk about, and so you just end up throwing out a whole bunch of nonsense that has nothing to do with anything. My favorite thing that happens, uh, uh, Casey, do you follow me on Twitter at all? I do, for sure. I, I think you do. Um, so <laughs> my favorite move that happens on Twitter is I'm just going about my day, answering tweets people who want to um, uh, be healthy, uh, asking me questions and a vegan, you know, a, a zealot vegan will come in, but they will ask me a leading question. I do understand what's happening when it's happening, right? I go, oh, here we go, right? So I will answer the question in a very nice way. And they'll come back and ask a follow-up and as a matter of fact, I could have written the follow-up because I knew what would be coming next. I will answer the follow-up. They will then go right into ad hominem, right? And I will quit answering once I get the ad hominem statement from them. But at that point, people who follow me will start arguing with them, right? I'm, I'm now out of the equation, they'll start arguing with the vegan and the vegan will then say, Oh, look, he's got all of his people ganging up on me. He's got his minion piling up on me. It's like, <laughs> first of all, I don't have time. Uh, you know what? Well, my minion. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I, you think I called a hotline on vegan and said, Hey, v Hey, everyone who follows me go gang up on, this person with five followers, it didn't happen. I just chose not to answer you anymore. And other people started answering you and you didn't like what you were seeing. So let, let's take you guy who I didn't, I still don't know, never knew, did not know existed until this morning. You now are claiming that I'm hurting you. Yeah, it's just, it's so preposterous and it's such a waste of time and energy. I, why you would actively try to engage 
some of those things, once it gets past that point, it, it just, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. It, it's really surprising too, where the source of some of these ideas are coming from and how they're being pushed and, and promoted. You know, the plant-based diet is so healthy for the planet and healthy for people. One of those, um, you know, places that's, that's pushing this out to people is Eat Lancet. And they have some creepy sounding diet that you kind of talk about in the documentary. Can you address that a little bit? Like who is Eat Lancet and what diet do they promote? Um, I, well, in order to get me to understand what Eat Lancet is, um, I, I can't. Um, you know, just like all of these different groups and organizations that, that are trying this, do this, this approach and work around. But Eat Lancet, whenever I see anything from, you know, Eat Lancet or Cleveland Clinic or anything that comes out of Harvard, they're all in cahoots, all of them. And they are trying to push out this initiative. Um, we're seeing it happen more and more in New York. And whenever something happens in New York, it happens around the world, uh, meaning around the country. Um, so we're seeing meatless Mondays, meatless Fridays, you know, all this kind of stuff, right? And this all comes out of the Seat Lancet group that has a bigger agenda. Um, I don't know what the agenda is. If you're asking me to be perfectly honest, I don't know what it is and, and why they're pushing it out there. I see it just like you and everyone else. I just question it and I become some kind of weird denier, right? There's something bigger than me out there and I don't know how it works, but it seems to keep pushing. Mm. And I don't know what you read on the movie, if it was like their mission statement or something, but one of the three things that they were big, big on like promoting, even in that that mission looking statement was corporate partnerships or something. So there's definitely more money and more companies involved, not just necessarily like, you know, the health industry or whatever. Right. Uh, look, I don't think it's uh, anything sinister when it comes to these companies. They just want to sell food cheap. Right. So when you talk about Unilever or Kraft or any of these big multinational companies, eat, even some of the big meat conglomerates like Tyson and Cargill and some of these companies, they're going into fake meat because they're looking down or down the track going, we need to, you know, this is a viable business. We can sell a couple of billion dollars of this fake crap every year and it's cheaper than chickens and everything else. Okay. Yeah, we'll do that. Hmm. These companies don't care about your health. They're not looking out for your well-being. They will sell whatever the government will allow them to sell that we can eat. It's up to us. You know, look, in the big scheme of things, Casey, I'm not going after the government or these companies or anything else because I'm not going to beat them, right? I'm just trying to give people a different way to look at things so that they can make their own decision, mm. right? Yeah, I love that. And you're up against it because so many of these vegetarian, vegan documentaries come out all the time. We all, you know, saw Cowspiracy and What the Health. And, you know, the latest one you talk about a lot in the movie was extremely well done and very um, well produced and had me a lot of times when I was watching it, like, wow, is that claim actually true? And and you look into things um, and and certainly, you know, they used a whole lot of crap and not a lot of science when they when they made the movie. But Game Changers, you talk a little bit about um, Game Changers in your film. Why why was that one so detrimental to people? Uh, you know, you mentioned a few of them. What the Health was pretty bad. Game Changers is the most recent. 
Um, and Game Changers, you know, was done by James Cameron, a major Hollywood producer, um, pretends to be a vegan. His wife is a vegan. And um, he he bought into a, I think he spent more than 30 plus million dollars. You know, um, not I think this actually happened. I, I'm saying I think because it might be 35 million into a, a pea protein company. Game Changes was just a big advertisement for that company, right? And so I started looking at some of the athletes that were in Game Changers, right? And looking around, you go, okay. The first one I looked at was they were saying this guy is the strongest man in the world. And I'm a nerd. I'm a nerd from way back. And I, I've been watching the strongman competitions since they used to come on Wide World of Sports when I was a kid. Me and my little buddy, Jim, um, we're still best friends. He's turning 60 in a couple of months. I'm going to his birthday. Um, we would sit around 10, 11, 12 years old and watch Wide World of Sports. And we love watching the strongman competition. Now with all the TV channels, you can find these competitions, you know, on somewhere online, right? And so as a nerd, I follow this stuff and I'm seeing this guy and I'm going, well, I've never seen this guy associated with the strongest men in the world. As a matter of fact, he's not even of the size. Now, even though this guy was pretty impressive looking and he's not weak, I'm looking at him going, mm, something's not right here. So I started looking into which strongman competition he won. As a matter of fact, he's never been invited to the competition ever. So he's never made it to the show. That's number one. So I went, well, maybe he was almost there. They're, they're saying he was, you see, I'm always trying to give him benefit of the doubt. Maybe he's one of the strongest men in the world and I just heard it wrong. And so I kept looking and looking and looking and looking at his lifts and everything else. And I was like, well, wait a minute. They're high school students stronger than this guy. If you look at high school powerlifting stats, there are a lot of kids stronger in high school in the United States than the guy who they're calling the strongest man in the world. Wow. Right. So then I started looking more and more. It turns out he's the strongest vegan in the world. And he won that title at a competition in a small town in Texas. It took a lot. Like when you do a documentary, you, you got to do a lot of deep dives. Um, he, he beat other vegans that day that, you know, so other substandard weak people, he was the strongest among those. And the competition that he won is not even one of the ones recognized by the strongman competition, right? It's, it's the yoke carry or something like that. Um, so you look at all that stuff and you go, okay, they're calling him one of the strongest men in the world or the strongest man in the world. And he's a vegan. That's a lie. What else are they lying about? Well, they're saying that this Olympic champion is, you know, she made it to the Olympics and she's a vegan. Okay. I looked into the woman. Oh, wait, she didn't finish in first place. But hey, look, I couldn't even make it to the trials, right? In anything. So, okay, maybe she got a silver medal. Nope, no silver, no bronze. Well, obviously she made it to the finals, right? She, she must've been fourth or fifth place, maybe top 10. 
No can do. Oh, she's got to be top 20. No, she is not. She was 24th. Wow. Now, you would say, okay, then, can you even make it to 24th? No, but we're not talking about me. And I'm not bragging about me being in the Olympics and being an Olympic champion when your heat probably didn't end up on television. <laughs> you, you know, and they, they show heat, you know, for days and days and days and running. She probably didn't make the television screen hmm. in heats, right? Like that heat was probably done when, when they were throwing shot put and doing, you know, something else. Wow. So, you know, I, and by the way, I looked into some of the other stuff and it was just all erroneous crap. And um, I said, okay, I can use two examples in my movie. I'm not going to sit here and do 20 examples from this movie, but everything we looked into about the movie was just crap. Yeah, I mean, I, I've seen that just thoroughly debunked up and down so many different times. I love that you also included Arnold, Arnold Schwarzenegger, who really was famous for having a, an amazing physique. And every time, you know, competition would come up, they would be eating basically what is now called the carnivore diet. They're eating lots of steak and eggs and, and they knew they would shred up amazing and had amazing physiques. And, you know, he, Arnold goes on and is promoting, you know, eating a plant-based diet and, and going vegetarian vegan yet his, his fridge, which you showed immediately after showed that that was not the case. He's also kind of lying about it. Well, a lot of things, just like everyone else, I'm a huge fan of Arnold. Um, used to follow bodybuilding back in the day. Um, it was the golden age of bodybuilding. He and, and Franco Colombo and, Frank Zane and all those guys. And um, I was like, yeah, you know, real heroes. Um, but as much as I love Arnold, let's get a few facts out of the way. Yes, bodybuilders sat around like lions. Whenever they weren't working out, they would, you know, bodybuilders would sit around and eat red meat um, <laughs> and eat lots of it as raw as they could, tons of chicken, tons of eggs. I mean, they would eat so many eggs, they would just put a dozen in the blender at a time, blend it up and drink it. Uh, this is how bodybuilders live. Okay, folks? Um, on top of that, let's call it what it is. As much as I like bodybuilding and the, the pageantry and the pomp and circumstance, these are drug abusers. Arnold Schwarzenegger, as much as I love him, abused drugs. Okay? You don't become a bodybuilder without taking steroids. Um, that's drug abuse. And you got to take, not only are you taking it off prescription, but you're taking way more than you would ever take on prescription. That's mm -hmm. drug abuse, period. End of story. So let's get a drug abuser on camera saying that he ate a lot of meat back in the day. Now he, you know, I, I'm a vegan. And then put a video out weeks after you were in the movie where he's showing everyone what he eats in his fridge, he goes, tons of eggs. I love eggs. I love meat. Yeah. I, I can't make this stuff up, folks. The video is there. These are real videos. They're not doctored. Okay. The guy ate meat his entire career, used drugs his entire career. And then after the movie where he said he became a vegan, he's eating eggs and meat and everything else. I'm Am I the liar or, you know, what, what are we doing here? Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, no disrespect to any of these people, you know, like you mentioned, the sprinter, like amazing that you made it to the Olympics, but just don't, don't use that 
to, to say that you are something that you're not or that you've accomplished all these feats when you really haven't. That's where I get, you know, a little bit upset. I do want to talk to you about something you mentioned earlier, which is inviting some of the guests that had more of that plant-based mentality. What was it like to reach out to the, the Dean Ornishes and the Michael Greggers and all these people who, you know, have been pushing that plant-based agenda for so long? What kind of responses would you get? Um, we showed a bunch of them in the movie and, and, you know, I was just, I was on a national radio show yesterday and we were laughing. I was laughing about this with the host. Um, <laughs> you know, what was it like going out to him? It's like, you know, when I write to Nina Tyshows and Gary Taubes and ask him to be in my movie, I just wrote him the same letter. So whether I didn't ask Gary to be in this movie, he was in my first two movies, but, uh, when I let, let's just take this movie. When I wrote to uh, Dr. Tony Hampton, he wrote back, sure thing. And I went, great, would you sign this release? Yes. Uh, Nina Taishos, who's been in my first two movies, would you like to be in this movie? She didn't ask me what the movie about. She was like, when do I show up and what, what do you need? Great, Nina signed this release. Um, um, Frank Mitlerner, hey, would you like to be in my movie? Really? Love to. Um, would you sign this release? Absolutely. Right. The vegan doctors, every single one of them, you know, would you be in my movie? No answer. Would you like to be in a movie about this? And when I started getting the answers back, they would say, I would love to, but I'm really busy that day. And I would look at my letter and go, I, I didn't give you a day. I just asked you to be in a movie. And Every one of them turned me down by saying, I'm super busy writing a book right now, or I'm really busy, or blah, 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 <clears throat> except for one, uh, Dr. McDougal, who's very outspoken. He's in my second movie saying that the way you heal type 2 diabetes is by eating sugar and rice, which by definition makes him a kook. Mind-blowing. He wrote back to me and said, um, I would love to be in your movie. Um, but I'm not signing a release. And I was like, well, you have to sign. No, I don't sign releases to be in movies. Well, that's a lie because everyone signs a release to be in a movie. You can't record someone and put them out there without them saying this is okay to do. So let's be honest. Let's be intellectually honest. You've never been in a movie without signing a release. Or anywhere else. If you go do a, every time I've ever been on national television or anything, you sign a release, right? Mm. We can use your words and image and blah, 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 blah. It, It's a boilerplate thing, mm. right? He, he went back and forth and we finally said, well, if you can't sign a release, you can't be in the movie. I'm sorry. So we couldn't get one of them, not one to show up. We tried to accommodate him. And, and, and by the way, I knew that people would think I was lying. So as you know, I actually put some of the letters up on screen to go, look, if you think I'm kidding, here's the return letter. Here's what they wrote back to us. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I understand why some of them wouldn't want to be on, but I, it, it, I just, I, it would have been really interesting to see their take on things and have them comment and, and to see their line of thinking. I, I don't think it's a bad thing that we can have different opinions on all kinds of stuff. And, and 
you know, not necessarily have to argue about it, but just understanding each other and understanding different points of view. I think that's a really healthy part of culture. And yeah, I may or may not agree with the way you think about things, but I do find it interesting to learn that that is what you think about things and and to be able to present that opportunity and to have them not take you up on that. I, I find a bit frustrating. I think that would have added something to the movie, which was amazing anyway. What is your hope of, of Beyond Impossible um, as far as a movie? Like, what are you hoping to gain from this um, and, and hoping to, you know, share with the world? Um, <clears throat> nothing, to be honest. Um, you know, I, I um, whenever I put anything out there, I don't expect anything big to happen. I know that sounds, it's like, what? What are you talking about? <clears throat> when I wrote Fitness Confidential, I, I wrote a book as if no one was ever going to read it. That's why that book is so wide open. You know, I was like, I'll write this book. And, and if people want to read it, fine. If they don't, they don't. It became some big deal, right? It became like some mega thing. And I was like, wow. So people were really open to this idea, right? When I put, fat a documentary out there you know it's like i'm just telling the truth i don't care what people think i don't care if people watch it or don't watch it i was shocked when that became a big deal right um you know whenever you say what do you expect to get out of it nothing you know it, one of, it, if i'm being intellectually honest i i'm always hoping i get my money back because it costs a lot to do these and that money comes right out of my pocket. You know, um, I saw a comment where someone said, of course he's saying this. He's being paid, bought and paid for by Big Meat. And I, I was like, can you please call Big Meat, whoever that is? Sounds like a porn name, but can you call that guy <laughs> and tell Big Meat I need my check? Because when I do these movies, there's no outside interest. This is my money. And... As I tell people every time I do a movie, if the money doesn't come back, then I'm out of the movie business. I'm not going to make any more, right? So I have to get that money back every time. <clears throat> so if I'm being intellectually honest, I'm always hoping to make the money back so that I can tell another story. Um, if I don't get the money back, I'll just stop doing movies. I I'm, I'm good. I don't have to do movies to survive. Um, and I don't really care if anyone watches my movies. And, and I, I feel that if I go with, with that, then I'll never be disappointed. I've been very lucky on all three movies. I can say that now about the third movie, even though it's early on. Um, <clears throat> my, my distributor is very happy. Because, mm. you know, they take a big chance. You know, they, they're putting money out to distribute the thing, Right. So everyone takes a big chance when you put these things out. You know, you, you can't have too many losers, right? And so far, my movies have been winners. So mm -hmm. that might be a non-answer, Casey, but it's the truth. No, I love it. That's a great answer. When when we decided to do this podcast from episode one, we, we you know, kind of said the same thing. Like, this is a passion project. We want to share a message through a medium that has really helped us. And our understanding of diet and nutrition has really benefited us and our clients. And we're going to put this out there for free. And if I'm the only person that gets to re-listen to these episodes, I will be really happy to have these conversations. And if it helps somebody along the way, that's even better. A lot of times, you know, like we talked about in the beginning, these things can generate a lot of hate and a lot of, you know, 
criticism and things like that. I'm just wondering if there's like a story or some comments or something that really stood out from somebody who really benefited from your work and from your movies. Yeah. You know, I, I get those all the time. Um, you know, and it does make me feel good when someone writes to me and says, Hey, you know, they were going to chop my left foot off because, you know, you know, I had so it uropathy and whole thing. And, and I, you know, I was 600 pounds and they were chopping my foot off and I just saw your movie up there on Amazon and I clicked on it and, and that changed my life, you know, or, you know, I, and, and by the way, I've gotten thousands of those letters and it, it I'm going to be honest, it, it fucks with me a little bit. Right. Um, I'm sitting there going, wow, some kid who was born in a shotgun shack on Bayou Lafouche is now, you know, I'm damn near 60 years old and, and someone is claiming I saved them, <laughs> saved their life. And wow. it's weird. It is very weird to me. <clears throat> um, you know, it's odd. The other day, my wife, um, she was looking, you know, she went to her Amazon page. You know, we have Amazon Prime. And when it pops up on her page, it showed, you know, Amazon. You could get Fat a Documentary, Fat a Documentary 2, um, uh, Beyond Impossible, and my book, both of my books, um, um, Fitness Confidential and Monty. And it's all across the page. And my, my wife said, look at this. And I went, what are we looking at? She goes, look at what you've done. And I went, yeah. She goes, look at what you've done. Look at what you've created. Look at this. Look at, and, and I was like, huh. And whenever I say, huh, she doesn't like it because the next thing out of my mouth is going to be something weird. <laughs> and she goes, huh, what? And I said, you know, why is it why is it that I care more about the fact that I'm building a cedar strip kayak? Why am I more proud of that than any of this shit? Mm. And she goes, Are you really? And I said, Yeah. I, I never think about these movies or those books, but I do think about that cedar strip kayak that I work on once a week. When I just take a day and I just go and and you know, pull out a planer and start planing and sanding and adding strips to it and and creating, you know, so <laughs> when you look at life, right, you go, what really matters? And by the way, the Cedar Strip kayak doesn't really matter either. You know, my wife, my stepdaughter, they matter. My parents are still around. They matter. My brothers, they matter. But when you look at accomplishments, I'm actually more proud of a piece of yellow cedar than I am of any of these projects. Mm. On behalf of the public who gets to watch these movies and having never sat in your canoe that you're working on, I, I just am I'm so grateful that you have chosen to make these and share these with the world because they do make an impact far beyond when you create them and release them and are done with those projects. Those things live on and they really help to push an alternative message forward that can really help people um, who really need it, who are very confused and think they're broken and think there's something wrong with them. And, and you telling the story of, you know, 
know what, it, it might not be your fault that you're in a particular state and you can get out of it, I think is, is super valuable. Tell um, our audience where people can go to find you and your work and, and find these movies as well. Uh, just like Casey, you can put Vinnie Todorich into the Google machine. It will all come up. You can read the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, the movie, the best place, look, we all have Amazon or Amazon Prime or whatever. Just go to Amazon. You'll get it there. If you're not an Amazon person, it's on iTunes, it's on Vudu, it's on Vimeo, it's on the YouTube thing where you could buy YouTube movies. It's you might find it on some airline around the world. It's my understanding is that it's on 70 VODs around the world. So I don't know all of those. So, <clears throat> but the main place people are going to find it is Amazon. So go check it out. Awesome. We will link that in the notes. Vinny Tortorich, creator of Fitness Confidential, creator of Fat, a documentary, creator of Fat, a documentary two, and the newest movie, Beyond Impossible. Thank you so, so very much for all of your work. Like I said, it has such a huge impact and really provides a lot of hope and, you know, offers, again, that alternative solution to people who may not, you know, know where to turn to eat healthy and really help out the planet. So thank you so very much for all of your work and thank you for appearing again on our show. We, we really appreciate it. Uh, thank you, Casey. Such an honor. And this has been another episode of Boundless Body Radio. So thank you again so very much for listening to Boundless Body Radio. I can't thank you, the listener, enough. We are so grateful for you. This year, 2021, was amazing. We got to talk to so many amazing people around the world and got to learn so much from them. And we actually just passed 80,000 downloads worldwide, which I just, when I started this, could not even fathom that we could reach that many people with the message. And hopefully you have gotten a lot out of this, um, as, as have we. Um, as we start the new year, we just wanted to let you know about some of the resources that we offer at Boundless Body LLC. Please go to our website, which is myboundlessbody.com. That's myboundlessbody.com. You will see an option to book a complimentary 30-minute consultation with us so that we can discuss your goals with health and fitness and maybe help you create a plan for the new year. Bethany, my wife, also offers uh, virtual mat Pilates classes, which are absolutely amazing. They're very engaging and also very, very affordable. Those can be done live on Mondays and Fridays or also given out as a recording to do at your own convenience. We also offer training and meal planning services that are also done virtually from the safety of your own home. So if you want to avoid the busyness of a gym, we can help show you how to get really fantastic results at home with a very minimal amount of equipment. We've been doing it now for two years. We've gotten pretty good at it. So we are happy to show you that. Once again, that website is myboundlessbody.com. And if you are enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on Apple. It really helps um, get this passion project out to more people. So cheers to 2022. And thank you again for listening to Boundless Body Radio.